Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's good to be here again. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Before we begin, let's bow our heads and um, ask that the Lord would uh, guide his word home to every one of our hearts. Um, <clears throat> God has demonstrated that he wants to speak to us, that his desire is to communicate to each one of us. And he does that in different ways, and one of the primary ways is he speaks to us through his word. And so as we pray, I invite you to pray as well, that God would speak to your heart as well. And not only that he would speak, because communication is a two-way thing. It has to be received. And so you pray as well that God would not only speak to you, but that you would hear it and that you'd be able to apply what you hear this morning. So shall we pray? Lord God, we come before you this morning. And Father, I pray in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and thank you, O God, that we can come boldly before you because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we know that, that you have sent him into the Son to save us, O oh God, from our sin, so that we could have a relationship with you. And O oh God, this morning I pray that as we look into your word, that you would speak to us, O oh God, that ultimately we might be conformed and transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. O oh God, I pray that you'd remove the things that would distract us from hearing and help us to be able to hear you speaking this morning, and then by your grace to go out and live those things that we see in your word, Father, to a lost and dying world. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> um, this is something that's been on my heart for a while, and I've, I've, it's one of the few things that I've repeated in a various assemblies. So um, I'd like you to consider this because I think it's one of the most fundamental things historically in the church, and that is the matter of prayer. Because if the church will not pray together, generally nothing else will function correctly. And I remember um, there's a <clears throat> little meeting, a, a guy had come to Canada, and um, it used to be that the Dutch farmers in Holland used to send their men here to work, and they'd, they'd uh, work on the farms, and they'd go back to Holland again. And um, the Dutch farmers all through here, my parents are Dutch, by the way, they would, um, they would put them to work. So this one young man came to Canada, and he worked, and um, he went back to Holland, and they had started a meeting there, and it was flourishing and really grown. And what they would do is they would have their evening meeting, and then they'd go out in the streets and start evangelizing. And <clears throat> one, as things happened, there was troubles that arose in the church. And then this was a young meeting, and they didn't have a lot of experience, and didn't have a lot of people to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. And yet when they encountered the problem, they, what they did is they shut everything down, and they went to prayer. And the things were taken care of. And you know, <clears throat> I'd, like to, I'd like to begin here in um, Luke chapter 11 of verse 1. And it says, There came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he had finished or ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And <clears throat> it's interesting that the Lord Jesus would leave that impression on his disciples, that they would come to him and they would say to him, of all the things to teach them, they would ask him to teach them to pray. 
You know, they could have said, you know, they'd watched his life and they'd seen him teaching. And they could have said, teach us to teach. Or teach us to, to preach. Or teach us to go and do like you do with all the crowds. But they didn't ask him to do that. The thing they asked him was, teach us to pray. And it's remarkable because they had been watching the life of the Lord Jesus and they'd seen the importance of prayer in the life of the Lord Jesus. And if prayer was important to the Lord Jesus, it absolutely should be important to every one of us. You see, the Lord Jesus, if you were to look in uh, Luke, chapter 11, verse, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, you'd find that the Lord Jesus, it says, went out and he prayed all night. They'd seen him going out. And they'd seen him, in, it says in Mark chapter 1 there, where he'd gone out a long time before day. See, the Lord Jesus' habit was to spend time in prayer. And they'd seen that. And when they came asking him specifically to teach them something, they said, would you teach us to pray? And when you begin to read the book of Acts, you see that they learned how to pray. And it's demonstrated in the life of the church. Now, <clears throat> that brings it to you and I. And the question really is this, is there's many things in our life, individually, and then corporately as a church, that we need to pray about. And the question is, what do we do when we need, when we encounter those times of need? And not just when we're encountering times of need, but in our life. Is prayer a key and central part of our life, or is it not? Now, I'd like to go through a few points on prayer. <clears throat> and some of it's very basic. And I, I know we know these things, but sometimes it's, it's like the Bible says, or you're happy if you do them. And so the first thing I'd like to start off is, what is prayer? And prayer is communication. Um, it's communication with God, and communication by its very nature is a two-way thing. If I stand there and do all the talking and you, you don't respond to me, you just kind of stand like a stone face, that's not communication. Communication is you respond, yeah, no, I don't agree, and I can tell by your face something's happening there, right? And so communication is, there's actually something going on between us. And, in, <clears throat> and when you watch, in, in, even in our world, prayer is really an instinctive response to God. I mean, somebody jumps out of the airplane with their parachute and it doesn't open, guess what they do? God, help! I mean, nobody needs to teach them that, right? It was like, help! Uh, they, they start praying. And, <clears throat> and some of these prayers can be very short. And it says in Psalm 65, verse 2, O thou, or O you who hears prayer, to thee all flesh shall come. Even in the darkest jungles, people's soul cries out to God. And so he says, to thee, <clears throat> you that hear prayer, to thee all flesh shall come. And as you look throughout scripture, there are, there are numerous examples of prayer in the Bible and of people who prayed. I mean, you think of Daniel, three times a day, he would go and he would set aside time to pray. And now you might say, well, you know, Mark, it's fine for Daniel to go aside and pray, but I'm a busy man. Daniel was, I don't know what you'd call him, let's, let, he would be vice president of the empire of Persia, or of Babylon. Like, if, if anybody was busy, ba Daniel was busy. Like, I can't imagine all the things that came across his desk in the run of a week. Three times a day, he set aside time to go and pray. And, th and that was part of the Jewish culture. They, they, they would do that. But <clears throat> I've discovered that if you can separate a little bit your prayer life, it's amazing how you, the different things you can focus on. And, and Daniel did that three times a pray. And we already spoke about the Lord Jesus. Think of it. The Lord Jesus himself, the time he would spend with his father. And turn back with me to Isaiah. Um, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 50. 
And look what it says there, what the Lord Jesus would do. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4 and 5. And it says there, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learner of a disciple, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Now listen to this verse. He says, He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So the Lord Jesus, morning by morning, would go to his Father, and he would spend time with his Father to receive instructions for the day. Because the Lord Jesus would say, I'm not doing this on my own. Think of that. The Son of God would say, I'm not here doing, doing my own thing. I'm not kind of, as it were, making my, my mind up on the spur of the moment what I'll do. Morning by morning, he would go to his Father and he'd receive instruction so that he would say, he'd say, everything that I've done and everything that I've said comes from God. He would start his day with the Father so that his life would demonstrate who and what God is. But really, what is prayer? And prayer, in fact, is us recognizing that how completely and utterly we depend on God. That our very soul needs that desires that communication with God and that time with God. And it's not just the fact that I need things. I need God. And in fact, I desire God. And I want to spend time with God. And prayer is, is what that is all about. And when you look into the scriptures at prayer, <clears throat> the different aspects of prayer that are included, and, and if you were to go from one into scripture, just a few things you'd encounter. Thanksgiving is one of the things you find as part of prayer. You, you give thanks to God. Everything that we have, we've received from God. That breath you feel going in your lungs right now, take a deep breath and let it out. God gave you that. Your, your, your heart beating one after another after another. You don't stop and think about these things. When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you, my heart is beating? Probably when it stopped, or you thought it stopped. You go, oh, Lord, thank you, my heart's beating. Isn't that the reality? We don't really thank him for something until we don't have it. There, there's so many things like, when's the last time you thank God for a country we live in? I'll be honest, I, and this is not a political uh, sidetrack or anything like that, I sometimes complain about our government. And yet God has given us a country we can live peaceably, that we can go and proclaim the gospel. Thanksgiving. And then there's praise, that, that we can... That we can do just like we were doing singing, to praise God. And, then, and praise is not just telling God how wonderful he is, but it's telling everyone else, do you realize how wonderful God is? And then to come to him and say to him, God, you are just amazing. And then to worship God. Prayer is worship, isn't it? It's, it's coming before God and just bringing up to him all he is and all that we found he is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about him, isn't it? And, and then confession. Confession's an important part of prayer. Uh, unfortunately, it can often be neglected. But confession is important that I come before God and I acknowledge where I've, I've sinned. And, and David himself and the psalmist would say, Search me, O God, and know me. Try my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Why would he ask God to search him so he could confess his sin? And then... <clears throat> There's the area that often we think of when prayer, with prayer is the aspect of asking God or petitioning God. And, and that includes so much more than just asking 
for my daily needs, but includes interceding on behalf of others, supplicating God for different things. And then finally, I think probably the most important part of prayer is that actual communion with God. Just taking time to talk to God and, and to allow God to talk to us. And we can only do that when we spend time in prayer and are in, in his word. And so there's just, these are just a few, but six main aspects you'll find in prayer. But <clears throat> I'd like to look at a few things about how to pray. Because since prayer is communication, um, in order to communicate with someone, you have to have some sort of relationship with them. Now turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1. And, and you'll see what John wanted us to know so we could have that communion or that um, fellowship with God. In 1 John chapter 1, um, you see John there, and he's, he's telling, he's writing this book, and we can start in verse 1. He says, that which was from the beginning, we, which we've heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, our hands have handled, um, concerning the word of life about Jesus. And then he goes on to say, the life was manifested, we've seen it, we've heard, and uh, bear witness to declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. And then he goes on to say, what we've seen and heard, we declare to you, so you also may have fellowship with us. Now, in essence, what John is doing there is he's saying, well, you know what? I spent all this time with Jesus. I, I saw him do this. I heard his teaching. I actually, I touched him, and I, I saw that Lazarus raised, and I touched Lazarus, and he says, I want to tell you about it. You see, it's like <clears throat> if you saw something very spectacular, Whatever it might be, um, something whether it's good or bad. Maybe you've seen, like you, maybe you were in Ottawa and saw the, the tornadoes go by, and you'd tell me, Mark, you would not believe it. It was terrifying. And so you'd want to tell me about it. Well, John saw something that was so amazing that he wanted us to know about it, and, and so he begins to tell us about it. And why? So that we as well could have this fellowship with God. Because that's what he goes on to say. He says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So first and foremost, our fellowship is with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then based on that, I can have fellowship with you. And so John says, I've had that and I want to share it with you. Now, just a side note, do you ever do that? Have you ever had such wonderful fellowship with, with the Lord and with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ, so you just say, I got to tell somebody about this. This is so good. I got to tell this with you. I got to share it with you. Well, that's what John was doing. And so he says, <clears throat> he does that so we could have fellowship with him. And the result of that fellowship with God is going to be reflected in our prayers. Now, just for an example, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. See, as I get to know someone... I'm going, to, I'm going to come to them based on who or what they are. Well, as you get to know God, you're going to come and pray to him based on who he is. Now, look what he says here in, in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is praying here. <clears throat> and he, um, he begins to pray there in verse 16. Well, actually, in verse 14, it says, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then look what he says there in verse 16, that he would grant you. This is his prayer. For the church of Ephesus. He says, I pray that God would grant you that according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When is the last time you prayed something like that for someone? And yet this is what Paul did. Whatever caused Paul, whatever gave him the idea to pray something like that, well, the only reason he would pray that is because obviously he'd been spending time with God and he saw the, just the enormous, the greatness of God's love. And he says, I want to pray that for you, the Ephesians. And the same, I can pray that for you, that God would cause you to know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of his love and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. How is that possible? Well, as Paul spent time with the Lord, he saw the greatness of who he was, and he says, oh, that you would be filled with that, just filled to overflowing. And that's only possible by spending time in that relationship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you spend time with him, and as you get to know him, then, then your prayers are going to begin to reflect that. You know, <clears throat> it, it's one thing to come up, you know, you see a little child come up to their dad and perhaps their dad is very wealthy and they said, you know, daddy, can I have a dollar to go get, uh, you know, candy? You think, wow, that child doesn't understand that a dollar to him is nothing. You know, we come to God. God is so overwhelmingly gracious and generous and abundant and, and we should come based on who he is, not for ourselves, but ultimately to glorify him. And so Paul had captured that by spending time with the Lord. <clears throat> and, and now if you just turn back with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and I've already touched on this, but I just want you to see that. John chapter 8, and verse 28 and 29. <clears throat> and the point it says there, it then said Jesus to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. See, as we spend time with God, and in his presence, we are going to seek those things that please him, that glorify him. Just like, like he would say of the Lord Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Our desire is to see God pleased. And how can we know that except by spending time with him? And then we can reflect that in our prayers. And so the first thing about praying is that we need to pray abiding in him. Turn to John chapter 15. <clears throat> See, prayer is not, it's not something isolated in our life. Um, it, it's, it's vitally connected to the rest of our life. And you, you can't separate that it's because it's really based on our, our spending time with God and it, it just flows out of that. And so John chapter 15, and look what it says in verse 7. He says there, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. And now you notice something that it says here, there's a condition there. As we abide in him, we will pray. You know, there's a lot of prayers that go out that are very self-centered, aren't they? It's very easy for me to be selfish about things. But when we take the example of the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the point of the 
the greatest, you could say, agony of his life, on the, on the very eve of going to the cross, think about this. Him, the Son of God, perfect, holy, unimpeccable, the idea is never touched by sin. And he's, he's there in the garden, and he's down on the ground, and he's calling out to God, and he said, Oh, God, you can almost hear the agony just flowing out from him as he says, If it is possible, take this cup from me. You can see how much he hated the thought of, of having to bear that sin, and yet he would do it for you and for me, because he finished his prayer by saying what? Nevertheless, not what I will, but that what, what you want. And he would go to the cross. He would go to the cross and bear our sins to do God's will. And so he says, if, you're, if you abide in me, seeking God's will. And there's a little story. <clears throat> Ironside tells it about a young lady who um, she, had, uh, she had put her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and had begun to live uh, a very um, faithful Christian life. And then friends and different influences began to take her away. And she began to do just get involved in different things and that, that were not really glorifying to the Lord. And, um, and it was around this point in time that her dad got sick. And um, he was quite seriously ill, so much so to the point that he had to go and have an operation. And um, she was quite concerned about that, and she actually began to pray very much for her dad. And he came out of surgery and, and seemed to do all right, and then shortly afterwards he passed away. And the girl was just completely devastated. She, um, she, she kind of, as it were, gave everything up and just seemed to go completely downhill. And it was shortly after that that um, Ironside encountered her and he, he, he talked with her and asked her what happened. And she says, I took the Bible and I took this verse, he, John 15, verse 7, and because it says there, if you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. I took this in my room and I put it on my bed and I prayed and I asked God, I asked him to heal my dad, and he didn't. Oh, he says, well, he says, what do you call it if you take a check that's not made out to you and you sign it? Oh, well, she says, that would be fraud. He says, you're right. He says, you are committing fraud. What do you mean? Well, it says there, the first part of the verse says, if you abide in me. And he says, were you abiding in Christ when you came and were praying like that? She started to think about how she'd been living. And her head dropped further and further, and she says, no, no, I wasn't. She said, he says, you, you couldn't pray that. And she started to think, and then she started to cry, and she says, my dad died because of me. If I had been living for the Lord, he wouldn't have died like that. And then he said, no, no, no. He says, hold it. He says, now you're going to the other extreme. He said, you see, if you had been living close to God, and seeking his will, he would have showed you that your dad's work was finished here. That everything that God had for him to do was done, and it was time for him to go home. And God would have given you the grace to face that. You see, that's the reality, folks, is that when we pray, we are to pray abiding in him. Because as we abide in him, we will see God's will fulfilled. You see, it's us, it's us coming there and praying that God's will will be accomplished here on the earth. Isn't that what he taught his disciples to pray? Thy will be done in heaven and in earth. In earth as it is in heaven. That just as God's will is completely fulfilled there, that we as well would see God's will fulfilled here on the earth. 
Second thing is this, so we're to pray abiding in him. Secondly, we're to pray according to his will. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We've been touching on this a little bit already, but 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says there, <clears throat> Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we asked of him. And so <clears throat> um, we're told here that we are to pray that God's will will be fulfilled. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it tells us that God's will is good and acceptable. You know, sometimes we have the idea, well, if I pray for God's will, man, I don't really know if I want that. Like, it's almost like God is just waiting to get you. I don't know if you had that idea, but I'm, I remember when I was young, it's kind of like, I don't really want to pray for God's will because God's kind of got the, you know, the worst out for me, and I'm just, it's going to be a horrible life if I do a, pray that way. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2, tells us that God's will is it's a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And, and we can trust God that he has the very best for us. And that's why the Lord Jesus would pray, not my will, but thy, thy will be done. However, if we are going to pray and ask God for his will, God is not going to reveal his will to us if we are unwilling to do it. Did you catch that? Why would I suggest you to do something if I know you won't do it? Or maybe there's something you haven't done already. Why would God show you more if you're not even doing what, he, what he's revealed? And so God is not going to reveal his will to us if we're, if we're un, unwilling to do it. And so when we come and pray to God, we need to be ready to do his will. And then the third thing is this, that when we pray, we need to pray according to God's word. If we want to pray and see God's will done, we must know that it, this is his will. That, that it's according to his word. Um, think of Daniel, Daniel um, chapter 9, in the book of Daniel chapter 9. Um, the children of Israel, they have been, or Judah, have been carried away and they're captive in the land of Babylon. And they've been there, it was almost 70 years. And Daniel, it says, was reading the book of Jeremiah and he understood that God said that Israel or Judah was going to be in captivity for 70 years. And when Daniel read that and understood it, it says he set his face to pray. He began to pray because God said it was for 70 years. Well, it was almost 70 years, and so he started to pray. And the amazing thing is, is that God would shortly afterwards send some of the people of Judah back again. And, and another example, you remember the story of Elijah. Elijah didn't just wake up one day and decide, you know what, it shouldn't rain today. I guess we don't want it to rain. No, Elijah had been reading the word of God in the book of Deuteronomy. It said that if the children of Israel were to go into idolatry, that God would stop the heavens from giving the rain. And so Elijah saw that because it says in James, James chapter 5, he says, Elijah was just like you and I. And it says he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. Why did he do that? Because God had said that, that he would withhold the rain and the purpose was so that the people would come back to God. And so Elijah prayed that God would withhold the rain, and he did for three and a half years. And then you remember how they went to Mount Carmel there, and they, they had that showdown there where, where the prophets of Baal and Elijah would each prepare their sacrifice, and then, and then God sent fire down. And he consumed not only the, the sacrifice, but he consumed the altar and the water that was below it. And what did the people say afterwards? Do you remember? They said, the Lord, he is God. 
the Lord, he is God. And that was the purpose all along, is that the people would return to God. Now, unfortunately, there was not a national revival there, but the people recognized it. And so what did Elijah do? He went and he prayed, and God sent rain. It was according to the word of God. Elijah searched the word of God and he prayed accordingly. And that's what God wants us to do, is that we pray according to God's will, according to his word, <clears throat> so that our prayers are consistent with what God wants. And, and the, the scripture is just full of different um, things that we can pray. Because, <clears throat> for example, I, I've sometimes heard people pray, um, praying for the lost and saying, Lord, if you will, that they would be saved. Well, the Bible is very clear that God is not willing that any perish. I don't have to pray that, that God wants this person to be saved. God wants every person to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants, he wants everyone in heaven. He wants no one to reject him. However, he does give everyone a free will, so we don't need to pray. If it's your will that this person be saved, it is God's will. He says that um, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish. So that we can pray according to the word of God, and so we need to be in the word of God to know these things. And so, <clears throat> lastly, what then are we to pray? And I, I would like to suggest that when we pray, we need to pray intelligently. We need to pray intelligently. You know, um, forgive me for saying this, but I, I've heard a lot of prayers that are kind of just, it's like somebody wrote them out and it just keeps repeating them. And, and they really have lost most of their meaning. And I'll be honest with you, I've prayed prayers like that. You know, I'll be, I'll be praying for whomever, and my Lord bless this person. What am I really asking for? What would be a blessing in this person's life? It, it really, what it is, is beginning to engage the mind and, and through the word of God and to seeking that this person would receive what God has for them. You know, to begin to pray intelligently. I'll give you an example. Turn with me to 1 John, or 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. <clears throat> so, um, we're, we work with the college and career up in Moncton, my wife and I with another couple, and um, this verse just really stuck out to me for, for the, the college and career, a good prayer for me to, to pray for these people because it, it's good to pray according to the word of God, obviously. And actually, some of these verses are just perfect to pray. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, 23, look what it says there. It says, now may the God of peace sanctify you completely or holy, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I was thinking of these college and career. Here they are going to university, some of them starting their careers, and they're, getting, they're, they're being asked to make decisions about things that, are very, that affect the very foundation of all of their life. And they're being attacked and drawn in so many different ways, and it's like, Lord, keep them. And this prayer is just perfect, isn't it? Lord, keep them, sanctify them, holy. Keep their spirit, their soul, and body until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let them waver. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, that's great for my kids, too. It just fits perfectly. And so <clears throat> we can take the scripture because these things are from the word, they're from God, and we can bring them back to God. And God, won't you do this, um, in this case, for our children? Um, <clears throat> just another example here, um, or Third John. Just give you one example more. Third John chapter, well, it's chapter one. There's only one chapter in Third John. <laughs> um, look at what it says in verse three and four. 
he says there, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as, a tr as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Another thing we can pray. Pray for our children. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they walk in the truth. You know, I'll, I'll, you can look at this later. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Paul is praying there for the church of Colossae. And it's quite an amazing prayer. And, and these are all things that we can pray for each other. When is the last time you prayed for the local body? Not for yourself, not just for an individual, but prayed for this local body of, uh, of believers. That God would unite you. This is something that every local church needs, to be united together. And, and there's so many things. So check out Colossians chapter 1 and read Paul's prayer. And I encourage you, begin, if you're not already, to, be, to pray for one another. <clears throat> and so finally, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. And it says there, <clears throat> and this comes right after Paul is instructing them to, to take, put on the whole armor of God, and he finishes it talking about prayer. And he says there, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Paul, you can't help but see that Paul's talking over and over and over again about being persevering or pers persisting in it. But right in the middle there he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So we are to pray in the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is there showing us through the Word of God what God is like so that we can pray what is right and true. But this is, just, just think about this for me. This is so amazing. Because it says here, I am to pray in the Spirit. But that's not the end of it. So as I pray and the Spirit shows me how to pray, then it says in Romans chapter 8, it says the Holy Spirit is actually interceding on my behalf. So it's like, yeah, yeah, Lord, he, this is really what he really means. So he's trying to show me what to pray, and I, I'm just a little thick sometimes. And so he says, Lord, this is really what he means. But just so we don't get the wrong idea, it's not like God is up there with his arms crossed watching us and going, man, oh man, I'd like to, nothing better than to squash that guy. You know, God's not up there with that attitude, and, you know, and the Holy Spirit's, please don't do that to him, and the Lord Jesus up there, no, no, no. No, the idea is that the Trinity is working together. You see, it says, for God so loved the world. Did you get that? It, it's God himself, the Father loves you and me. And so the Lord Jesus came down to demonstrate us that love, and now the Holy Spirit is bringing that right into our hearts and showing us. So here's the whole Trinity working together. It's not like they're working against each other, they're working together, they're united. Look at John chapter 17. That was his desire, is that you and I would be united like the Father and the Son are united. And so as we pray according to the will of God, there's the Holy Spirit. It says he's interceding on our behalf. And God himself, in John chapter 16, it's, Jesus would tell his disciples, he says that they were to ask, he says, and, and he says the Father himself will answer you because he loves you. You see, God is working this together ultimately that he would be glorified through you and through me. And you know, he, it says in one place, you have not, James says, you have not because you ask not. And then unfortunately when we do ask so many times, we ask because of something I want. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, God has given us this avenue of communion with him. And as we spend time with God, like seriously, when is the last time you actually came to God and said, God, what is it you really want? Like what's in your heart? For example, for this assembly, what's in your heart? And how, Lord, could I help to see that fulfilled? And what about this brother over here? Lord, he's so wonderful in this. Lord, would you use him to see his part fulfilled in this assembly? Like, think of that. Actually spending time with God to see what God wants. And and, in searching through scripture to see what he wants to be glorified in my life, in the life of my family, and in my assembly, in my community, and in my country. What does God want for our country? Have you thought about it? God has a purpose. Can we pray that God's purpose will be fulfilled in our country? So start at home. Start at home and, and begin to pray and ask God, what is your will? And, and as you spend time with him in, your, in the word and in prayer with him, communing with that, then begin to pray accordingly. And ultimately, you'll see God answer in prayer. And you know, it's some of the littlest prayers. You see them answered. And it can bring the greatest joy. And and about the simplest thing, I'll just just give you an example. So last week, I had to go to PEI um, Thursday, and uh, Wednesday, my washer broke. This has been an ongoing saga. And so I was like, oh, I don't really have time to fix this, but we had a bunch of laundry, always the laundry's right there, you know. so it's like, Lord, what do I do? I, I, and so I started Kijiji. Oh, I gotta get a used washer. And I saw one down in St. John. Maybe I'll run down to St. John quick, but I really didn't have time to run to St. John. And I'm like, Lord, what do I do? So next morning I get up and I knew I, I had to prepare some first. And then I thought, well, I'll spend an hour, go look at the washer, see if I can fix it. And um, you know, the Lord is so good. My wife comes in to me and says, oh, Mark, um, it turns out that the laundry somehow it got wrapped around the auger in the middle there and it was just wound so tight in there she says that was the problem it's like oh thank you lord i really didn't need that burden right now and just a little thing like that that god just answers prayer and and to be able to say thank you lord for doing that you know there's so many greater things that god has in store for us if we'll come to him and and pray and spend that time with him and then to see him ultimately glorified that's what god has for you and so to finish off then Are you praying? Are you praying? Because that's what God has for us. He wants us to be a praying people. Shall we pray? Lord God, we thank you for each person here this morning. Lord, I thank you that you know them intimately. Though God, I ask for each one here today that, that you would... Bring the truth home to them of who you are. Oh, Lord, that they would understand what your will is. And, oh, God, that they would come alongside, oh, Father, and, and begin, to, to begin to see your will and pray that your will will be fulfilled in, in their lives and in the lives of their family and the lives of the local church and community, Lord. And, oh, God, I pray that everyone here will begin to see how great you are and then to pray according to your greatness. Oh, Lord, and the, the rejoicing and the praise that will come from that. And so I commend them to you, Lord, and ask that they would be encouraged, Father, in their walk. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.